Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Um, this interview features Kimberly G. Giartano. We're talking about her upcoming release, Death of a Dancing Queen, coming out on Valentine's Day, my birthday, <laughs> February 14th. This was a really cool conversation. I really enjoyed um, learning more about um, Kimberly's background and how some parts of her own life really uh, inspired Billy's story and uh, what she's going through and, and just growing up in Jersey too. That was really cool. Um, but either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Kimberly. So today we've got Kimberly G. Giratano. We're talking about Death of a Dancing Queen. It is coming out on um, February 14th on Valentine's Day. Um, Kimberly, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Um, this, I just finished this book a couple days ago. So easy to get sucked in. I really like Billy and, um, I just, you know, I really, this story had lots of twists and it was, like I said, it was so cool to, and so fun to get sucked in and figure, try to follow along with her, try to figure things out. So I'm excited to dig a little bit deeper today. Well, I'm gr- happy to be here and thank you so much for reading it. It's, um, it's nice to, it's nice to hear nice comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so before we get started, can you give like a little, uh, summary of the book so that people listening can follow along? Sure. So I always liken, um, the book to like an East Coast Jewish Veronica Mars. That's usually how I sum it up. But Billy is a 24 year old woman and she takes over her grandfather's private investigative business in order to have the flexibility to take care of her mother who has early onset Alzheimer's disease. And her first case is a young college student with very clearly with a drug problem who's looking for his missing girlfriend and he asked Billy to help. And she thinks this is going to be the easiest money she's made. This girl is clearly ghosting this guy. You know, he's got a lot of problems, but obviously I wouldn't have a book if that was the case. Mm -hmm. So the case embroils her in like a, uh, you know, a decades old standoff between a neo-Nazi group and the Jewish mob, as well as um, a a cold case of a dancer that was killed in the nineties. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was cool and fun to keep track of all that, <laughs> you know, because it was like, I mean, it does it spans generations because it's like, oh, everybody, you know, in that community, the, the name Levine is familiar. And um, it was, you know, because of her grandfather's line of work, if she, you know, she she's resourceful with her connections and she's kind of following leads and 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 picking through the connections and it's yeah it was so cool to like just seeing how those family ties like even the generate the next generation was still kind of like you know they were all still connected they were a lot of family history amongst different families and different groups and um it was it was it was a cool little like layer to to kind of be like oh well 30 years ago oh somebody's not telling me something and it's kind of like, yeah, cause if she gets too close and, and then she realizes it too late, but of course, you know, it's, it, it, it was, yeah, it was interesting to keep track of everything and to, and to see how those little characters like interactions played out and the, just the kind of um like the implications of those relationships too. And like how the decades long relationships and it was fun. Um, So 
can we go into your background a little bit? Cause you got a handful of books underneath your belt. Um, and you know, just like your, your background and, and maybe kind of what led you to share, um, this story. Um, so I was a teacher. I was an ESL teacher, um, for five years. And then I became a public librarian. I was a young adult librarian for, um, a little over two years before I had my kids. And while I was a YA librarian, I obviously was reading a ton of young adult novels. I've always been a writer. So it really felt natural to just see, oh, I could maybe write a book. I used to think mm. you needed an MFA. I was like, you must need a degree to do this because <laughs> everything I've needed to do, you need a degree for. And, um, but then I started reading books on craft. I would take like small little classes and things like that. And it still took me years, years to finish a draft. I was pregnant with my second kid before I finally um, finished, but mm. I wound up writing a young adult novel and it got published by a small press called Red Adept Publishing. They're still around today, but they don't publish YA. And that was a great experience for me. First of all, they're, they're a wonderful publisher, very small, but wonderful to work with. And taught me how to, to, to do edits with an, work with an editor, you know, um, just a lot about the publishing, getting reviews and Goodreads and NetGalley and all that stuff. And then afterwards, um, I just started kind of getting more involved in indie publishing. My second book came out with via Kindle Scout, which is a program that's no longer exists, where your, your book kind of got voted to be published. And I got a small advance with that. But I got really good at self-publishing. I was able to find my editor. You know, I found a great editor. I had a great uh, cover artist. Um, I found proofreaders. I learned how to format. The only thing I couldn't really do was figure out ads. But mm. And I thought... I thought I would stay an indie author. And then teens don't really read ebooks. They're much more into physical books that they get from the library. They swap with their friends. They get from their parents because they don't have credit card accounts, you know, <laughs> with Amazon. We do. Adults do. So my ebooks were not really being read by the market that I was writing for. Then I had an idea about a PI series I wanted to do because I love Veronica Mars so much. And I wanted to write something that reminded me of it and have a lot of fun with it. And I thought I, I really couldn't envision it with an adult protagonist, uh, with a teen protagonist. To me, it had an adult protagonist. So, you know, I was like, well, this would be great for the indie market. And then through happenstance, I got hooked up with my agent, Liza Fleissig. And, you know, she's like, we can sell this. <laughs> I love her <laughs> optimism. It did take two years, almost two years to sell my book, but, uh, it, like it was so serendipitous that um, Angry Robot Books was starting a new crime fiction imprint, and Eleanor Teasdale, who's my um, editor publisher, she read the book in like less than a week, and I felt so optimistic with them because I had gone to acquisitions at another publisher and got turned down, and mm. you know um, the marketing people were like, the numbers aren't there for PI for female PI fiction. Mm. They didn't say male PI fiction. They said female PI fiction. The numbers weren't there to really, mm. yeah, I could go on about that. But Eleanor is like, <laughs> screw that. I'm yeah. Taking it. And she did. And that's how, that's how I've been so lucky. 2023 is feeling like a good year for me. Let's, let's, let's hope I didn't jinx it by saying it. Right. No, that's great. And I, you know what, it's so common. Your, your story, I imagine resonates with so many aspiring writers, even like published writers like yourself who have a handful of books published already. And they're still kind of it was similar. It's taking a couple years or it's going through the rounds or how was your experience? Like besides that, were there any big lessons learned from um, writing and 
publishing Death of a Dancing Queen versus like the indie publishing experience or just even, you know, this new book from the, you know, any of your other works where there was anything that stood out, any big lessons learned, stuff like that. So one of the things like the indie world is incredibly welcoming. Like authors are incredibly great about sharing their knowledge and money. They'll tell you how much they make to the penny. I love indie authors for that reason, (laughs) but you know, with with my indie work, everything came down to me, and I am not my own best motivator. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll be like, "Oh, I'll have this May deadline." It's like August, um, but obviously, <laughs> with traditional publishing, I really, uh, you know, there's there's you know, feet my feet's to the fire, and I love it because they're like, you know, we need this done, and I'm like, I'm on it. You know, I feel mm-hmm. really good about that. So, but being part of a traditional publishing experience is is very rewarding in itself. Like this is the first time my book is in libraries. My book is on order for bookstores. I have gotten trade reviews and library journal and book list and publishers weekly. Um, you know, and they've been good reviews. I've been so grateful. They've been good reviews because it, you know, it could be, it could be the highlight of your day or it could yeah. be like, just bury me six feet under. So. Yeah. <laughs> That has been incredibly uplifting and validating in many ways because my indie work, I've always been incredibly proud of my indie books. I have, I think, five young adult novels published. I am proud of all of them. Really, in my opinion, they are indistinguishable from a trade book. You know, Mm. they are edited, they are proofread, they are, um, you know, the covers are beautiful. They really are indistinguishable. But it's really, it's very hard to market when you don't have somebody with a bullhorn out there on your behalf. So while I'm proud of them, they don't get read very much. Mm, yeah. And so for the first time, I am, you know, seeing people on Bookstagram reading my book. And, you know, I have my Goodreads reviews are ticking up. I could use some more people. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I find those helpful too, just for when I'm like, when I'm writing my own reviews, I, I try not to like, use it as a crutch, but it's interesting to see like, like, am I alone here? If like something particular bugs me or if like, I think something like either, either both ways here, like, I think it's amazing. Or if like, I really, I just remember there wasn't a, um, I won't name the title of the book, but there was like a book that I finished and, and reviewed. And I, I was looking, I was like, am I the only person that thinks this is like, not a good book? this is this horrible you know so i i get it whereas like yeah those good goodreads reviews are are totally helpful and and not just like with you know checking out my own opinion but you know it's yeah like it's definitely helpful just to get more words out there and get more um opinions and just like legit like legit impressions of and i'm a sucker for suspense thriller so i i felt like i was gonna get hooked no matter what um but this is a first in, you know, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but so this is the first in like a new series that you're kind of planning out a little bit, or is that right to like assume? Yes. I, I mean, I, I too am assuming that, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do have a, I, I am working on book two right now. So, awesome. and I have a title I love, but you know, they could change it. Um, I hope yeah, they right. don't. Eleanor <laughs> seemed to like the title. But in the second book, uh, it has to do with stolen art and ties to Nazi Germany. And mm. I'm having a lot of, I don't want to say fun, because drafting, like plotting is really, it's a, it's a beast to plot. 
but it's going to be awesome. I yeah. think it's going to be awesome. There's a lot themes, you know, father daughter themes are are in this particular book, and you know, I'm excited about it, especially because once you love, like once you you know you build these characters, there's just so much I can do with them and secondary yeah. characters and places I can take them. And, you know, I, there's a lot of fun that I can have and, and I intend to have with the series as it goes on. Cause one of the things I love mysteries, but I also, um, and one of the reasons I love PI fiction so much is typically because there is such resolution, there's a resolution at the end, you know, um, the bad guy doesn't get away with it. Um, you know, the PI, you know, solves the crime and there is, you know, this character arc throughout the story where you just know things are going to be better at the end of that tunnel. And I need it. I like that. There is great mm-hmm. joy in writing that and delight. I don't write downers, even though there's murder and there's gangsters. It's a bit of campy fun, too, I think, mm. you know, just like Veronica Mars is when you watch it. You know, you're like, this is gritty and raw, but also it's going to be fine. I know it's all going to work out eventually. Yeah, is that so? This is um like not a YA, but more so like new adult. I think that term has been kind of been floated around before, but it because you have experience in YA, you were saying. So then, is this for this audience? Is it geared towards the older? Can it still be young adult? Are you thinking? So I, it does have great crossover appeal for teens. I don't. Um, uh, there's cursing because I'm yeah. a human being, but there's no overt. <laughs> there's nothing in there where. And I was a young adult librarian. I would never tell teens, like, you can't read books with cursing and sex. Like, that's silly. But I would say it does have good crossover appeal. I think the book's been very, I get great reviews from mystery genre readers of all ages. And a lot of them skew older and they very much enjoy the mystery. um, Because it really, there are tropes that are familiar but fresh. And for mystery readers, that's a comfortable, comfortable place to be. But Lisa Lutz wrote The Spellman Files. And that was about a PI family in San Francisco. Very funny because Lisa Lutz is very funny, but very poignant too. And um, I believe the Spellman Files won the the Alex Award. And the Alex Award is given to adult fiction that has um, appeal for teens. It has great crossover potential for teens. And I would say this is definitely in that same category. I feel like a, um, you know, a parent and a child, a teen could read this book together if they wanted to. Yeah. I I could kind of see that. Yeah. I only ask because I wonder like, kind of like what made you, if anything significant made you switch gears a little bit and to try to aim for an audience that was a little bit older than what you were, um, had done in the past. But if it's, if it if you really are still kind of like playing with it and teetering on that or like you want to appeal to both sides of that line, you know, where it's not like a hard cutoff, I could see how you were like just kind of easing yourself into a ba- beside, you know, instead of saying, no, this is like I'm going to do adult. Or I'm going to do middle grade or I'm going to do. So I could never write middle grade. (laughs) (laughs) Because some some authors do that and they, it turns out really well, but yeah. (laughs) I have a, I have a middle school student too. I have a child who's 13. Well, the thing is like, I am an adult. It wasn't that hard of a leap to write a, you know, a character and she's 24. She's not a teenager. She has real Mm -hmm. problems. She has bills and uh, she's parenting her parents. So in many ways, Billy feels like an old soul. Yeah. I remember being 24 and being broke and how like anxiety inducing that is and and you know watching how much everything costs like constantly and watching your bank account dwindle away even though i was working right 
So to kind of put myself in Billy's shoes as being, you know, a 24 year old um, wasn't a real leap for me. And, you know, my writing style and my voice, you know, haven't changed very much, but I'm exploring just a different phase of life. And the reason why I, I pretty much made her of the age she is, is because I did want to explore the relationship with her mother who has early yeah. onset Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, for her, for her mom to be the age that she gets it at, it makes sense that Billy is in her twenties too. Also, I really wanted to explore a woman starting out her own business. Mm. And I, I was more keen to do it. Like this is her first rodeo. <laughs> I wanted her you know, I, 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 I wanted her to not have as much life experience coming into this so that I could have fun, especially I really love multi-generational stories. It's not the first time in my books there's grandparents yeah, and I love a curmudgeon Jewish man <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted her grandpa to really be in her life. So for me to, you know, I also, you know, I wasn't in the mood to kind of explore high school, right? You know, I just, I wanted to make her older I just wanted her to have romantic baggage and most 16 year olds don't have romantic baggage. And cause I, I was fascinated. I have second chance romances. Like this book has everything that I love in other genres, like second chance romance, you know, um, that's a big thing in like romance stories. And I happen to really enjoy that. And I inserted it into my mystery. So that's what I gave Billy to, you know, issues with her ex. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she's like, that's one thing I love about her is that she's like resourceful and she, but she's like still she's flawed in that way where he still has like this hold over her and understandably um you know they grew up together and he was her first everything and it was totally relatable that he you know she's just trying to focus on her and her mom and her family and like she you know i like that you made a main character that wasn't like that she had real problems she had real personal and family problems and it was like you know, because her brother has his, David, was it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was trying to remember, like, make sure. Yeah, like her brother has like a job that's not if hours aren't super, you know, aren't flexible. He's like a a nurse, right? Mm-hmm. He, like he works in the in a hospital, so it's like yeah, it's, he doesn't have a lot of flexibility, and he's it's just yeah, it's like being a parent and then co-parenting with a sibling, and it's I haven't met a whole lot of um, protagonists that like really come with all that you know and then especially it's like such a young age and then yeah she's looking to the future too because she's like i am susceptible like i'm prone to this i'm susceptible to developing this as well and um it can be yeah it can be like troublesome and scary especially if your their family is not well off per se and I, I just i really enjoyed that part of her i enjoyed the fact that she had these real problems in addition to trying to pay the bills in her very unique choice of profession (laughs) she because yeah she gets she gets she immerses herself with those scary people with those bigger names with those very established businesses and where there's history and feuding that are older than her and it's she's you know this poor mid-20 girl is trying to like track down everything and everybody and but she's got to watch out for herself and then when she she has to make sure that she's home at a certain time to to watch her mom you know to make sure that she doesn't run off or she doesn't try to cook something and then forget about it like she doesn't and and it's like i don't have a whole lot i don't have any experience with like 
loved ones with Alzheimer's, but you illustrated what it would be like, like really realistically to how really that's like, that's huge responsibility that gets in the way of her, like following leads or making just investigating and like trying to do her job. But the PI thing I think is helpful for her too, because she doesn't, she's not necessarily like held back by the bureaucracy of like an official, like law enforcement police force. Like she doesn't have any red tape to go around. It's like her own, it's like, yeah, she needs, still needs to follow the law, but she doesn't need to like go through so many approvals to, (laughs) or like, you know, get the green light to go and, um, you know, figure things out. And I think her age definitely gives her an advantage, um, especially when she has to question, you know, call other college kids to try to figure out what happened to this girlfriend and just getting to know, um, you know, and trying, trying to blend in a little bit better too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She's, she's definitely appears like she would be somebody you would underestimate. Right. And therefore it does give her an advantage because it allows mm-hmm. her to talk to you're right. Uh, other college kids who are afraid of the police and it, you know, she's, she's not going to be taken seriously. So she can kind of, you know, be a bit subversive regarding that as well. It's interesting when I wrote this because yeah, her, her, her home life, taking care of her mom and she has a serious illness. It's so serious that I had so much more fun putting her up against neo-Nazis. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, yeah, this scene is this scene. I was like, you know, I could feel it waiting, weighing on me. I was like, Ooh, let's just, uh, let's have her have a run in with a skinhead. I think that'll be a lot more fun. And it was like, yeah, it's, it's an interesting balance that I probably wasn't even aware of that I was doing where, you know, I think the crimes, you know, and the mystery and the suspects and the murders and all that stuff is the light part <laughs> of the book because the stuff with her mom is so heavy. It really is. And it's just so much more intimate than, you know, these other connections that she's trying to narrow down. Then it's like, it's, yeah, it's very much something that she can't, you know, she can't escape, not just because it's her mom, but also like she, this might be her future too. And yeah, it was, it was definitely impactful. Um, did, did you, so was there any like research on that aspect or, you know, that you had to, to do like to develop the story or even maybe not just the Alzheimer's experience, but, um, any other part of the story and like, what, was there anything that surprised you while you were like, you know, researching for the story? So I happen to love, I have a family member with dementia Mm -hmm. and uh, their dementia presents differently than Billy's mother's does. So I did have to do more research into early onset because it really is a different ball game from late onset. Um, And now my newsfeed on my phone is everything about dementia and Alzheimer's disease, which does not help my anxiety because a lot of Billy's fears are incredibly personal and Mm -hmm. very real. They come from a, a real place. But one of the things that always surprised me, like when doing medical research in general, especially with Alzheimer's, is how much it changes, Mm. uh, how quickly it changes. You know, I've read articles where, you know, um, one doctor's like, I'll drink five cups of coffee a day because, you know, it's, you know, caffeine might stave off, you know, memory loss later in life or, you know, and then there are articles will be like, nope, that's too much. Don't do that. Um, (laughs) Puzzles, right? Billy does a crossword puzzle on her phone. 
because there is research, you know, that that crossword puzzles is really good for your memory retention. But then there's, you know, you know, neuroscientists were like, meh, not going to do that much. It's not really that preventative. So, you know, vigorous exercise, Billy's a runner because vigorous exercise, you know, that so far as seems to be holding up. I still get stuff sent to me periodically, you know, that vigorous cardio is really good for memory later on. Mm -hmm. But the research is incredibly difficult because again, like, some uh, some dementia can be prevented like you know um you're more inclined to get late onset alzheimer's if you have um diabetes if you have heart disease if you're overweight you know if you're not active uh, you're more you know very sedentary lifestyles things like that but early onset has a huge genetic component as well a larger genetic component, but only about 3% of Alzheimer's cases are early onset. And then the kind that like you're guaranteed, like where really young people got them in their forties and fifties, I think there's only about 700 families worldwide Mm. that are part of that have this gene. So, you know, there's a part, a part in the book where, you know, a doctor is explaining to Billy, you know, that this could be familial. It could be a fluke. And the only way for her to find out is to get tested. And that's like a whole nother ball game. We'll have mm-hmm. to see if she does, you know, does that later down the road. I haven't made a decision, made my mind up <laughs> on what I want her to do there, but yeah. I mean, and also she's young. So, you know, things are going to change. Even as I write the series, I'll find out new information. And then yeah. it's going to change Billy's actions as well, because she really does not want this to be her future. And she's hoping that she has some control. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine that just adds to like the wariness. It's like the a bleak outlook, but she's doing her best to not not I don't want to say distract herself, but she's yeah, she's trying to do what she can and Yeah. Yeah, you she's got to, you know, she can't work in an office because she can't be able to call out sick whenever her mom needs her and things like that. So she is proactive and she is trying to figure out the best way to really, you know, be a good daughter, but live her life, you know, on yeah. her terms, you know, the only way she knows how. And it's not exactly what she wanted to do. You know, like I, I've mentioned, like Billy envisions herself traveling a lot and living in Europe and and she can't do those things. She's really anchored to New Jersey. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. And so did you, I think I was reading about like your background a little bit where did you grew up or where you lived in New Jersey for a long time or? Yes. I grew up in Jersey. I grew up in Monmouth County. So not Bergen County, Bergen County. I don't know where you're from or where you live. Oh, I'm from like Chicago suburbs. So I'm okay. I'm, yeah. So Bergen, <laughs> <The Midwest>. is, <laughs> Bergen County is Manhattan adjacent. Monmouth County okay. is like smack dab. It's at central Jersey. Jersey and New Jerseyans argue about like state geography a lot. <laughs> whenever I whenever I was a teen, like because I went to college in New Jersey and like so did all the students. Like I went to a college called the College of New Jersey. The entire student body was from Jersey. It was a state. That's school. so funny. And they'd be like, Where are you from? And I'm like, Oh, I'm an elephant. They're like, Oh, that's South Jersey. I'm like, it's south of you, but it's right. not South Jersey. Like we take it, we're adamant. That's not where we live. Um, but yeah, I, I, I grew up in Jersey. I lived in Hudson. Um, I, I spent a lot of time in Bergen County in my youth. Bergen County just had the right vibe for a hard boiled kind of book that I was looking for. Bergen County is incredibly diverse, ethnically diverse, geographically diverse, class, like class diverse, like diverse, I should say. Um, you, you have rich, very, very, very wealthy people. There's celebrities who live in, you know, Teaneck, believe it or not. And then you have like very blue collar families who also, um, like live down the street, so to speak. So <laughs> it's, 
And it's very congested. There's a lot of traffic, you know, (laughs) it's what you think of when you think of New Jersey, like um, the Sopranos, you know, Bada Bing, you know, is, (laughs) is you know, the Bada Bing um, is in, is in Bergen County. And so it just really fit the vibe. And I'd like to think Jersey is like another character. Yeah. A lot of the times it'll, the environment, the setting is, is kind of like a background character because it, yeah, it affects how, the characters interact with each other and with it and um, you know, the kind of things that happen. So did you, um, were there any kind of like personal experiences that, that inspired parts of the storyline or, or any of the characters per se? Definitely Billy's mom's Alzheimer's is very personal. Um, But like, and, and, my Jewish heritage is going, you know, I made Billy's family blue collar. My family growing up was blue collar. I think that, you know, there's a stereotype of very wealthy Jews, right? Doctors, lawyers, and there is historical reasons for why Jewish people have gone into medicine and law because we've been pushed out of other um, industries and other careers, you know, like historically anti-Semitism. But I grew up in a blue collar family. My parents are nurses. My brother's a nurse. And, um, I grew up in a town where there was half the town was Jewish. Um, mm-hmm. So I was surrounded with kids who ethnically were like me. Financially, they were not. Economically, mm. they were not. So I wanted Billy's family to be blue collar because that's how, that's that's what I grew up with. And, you know, maybe be a little bit, you know, outside that stereotype of us thinking oh doctors and and the same thing with you know her 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 boyfriend her ex-boyfriend's family like there are no more jewish gangsters like <laughs> there are i mean i don't think so i mean i'm sure some israelis are like you know doing like some crazy stuff over there but like there mm-hmm. new jersey doesn't have like there's no jewish mob anymore i, I mean <laughs> it would be awesome but i was like i'm gonna bring it back right. it's so it's so <laughs> It's surprising. I mean, Bugsy Siegel and Meyer Lansky, like Jews and um, gangsterdom go hand in hand. We have a great history with it. There's so much like my own family might have ties to like Murder Incorporated, which was Bugsy Siegel's outfit and stuff like that. But <laughs> I, that's that's where I got to have a lot of fun. And I got to like really use my imagination, you know. Yeah, that's so yeah, that is fun. I could tell you how to had more fun with those parts too. Um, I kind of like bounce, like bouncing off of that. Cause you did mention it earlier, like, you know, comparing difficult parts with the fun parts or the easier parts. So what, what were like the most challenging parts and then what were the most fun parts if you haven't already mentioned or just kind of expand on that specific, like for that specifically. So writing is, is a huge challenge in itself. Um, <laughs> When I'm when you're digging deep and you're getting personal, that's always going to be a little bit of a challenge. Sometimes actually it's not that much challenging. You're like, I know exactly how she feels in this moment. <laughs> and a lot of the time, because Billy's a she's like a badass and she's incredibly self-assured. Those were not things I were when I was a 24. Mm-mm. So sometimes it's a challenge to just like it's almost like she's like my superhero. Like yeah. she has, she could do whatever. No, she can't. Like she's still, you know, a vulnerable yeah. person. Like she can't do whatever she wants. You know, I'm like, she could just like you know, walk in and, you know, take charge. It's like, yeah, she could get herself killed. So I do have to like rein myself back and stuff. You know, those fun parts can actually be the most challenging because I have to, there is a balance of like, I do want to like 
it still has to feel realistic. You know what right. I mean? This is not an urban fantasy. You know, it's set in a <laughs> very, very real place. Um, the towns are all real. No, I don't make up any towns. I don't make up any streets. The only thing I make up is like some like locations and things like that, you know, coffee shops and stuff mm. and college, the college is fake, but like Bergen County and it's all its glory and uh, is very real. So that's usually sometimes just making sure that I like, it feels real, um, you know, when it should, and that, you know, I can have a little stretch the truth and have fun. Those are the parts where it, that's the, probably the biggest challenge. It's like, am I being ridiculous? And I usually <laughs> need somebody to tell me, Kim, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I did like, I side note to that. You kind of had a, you know, the older, the seasons professionals, the retired grandfather kind of helping that along been like, you know, giving their opinions or kind of question, you know, have coming up with those questions and kind of being like, no, like what? Like, no, like, <laughs> so I I love, did, yeah, I love writing old men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could have gramps hang out with her all the time. Mm-hmm. I love I, I like that relationship too. Or, and I could tell she, you know, she appreciates it, even though she's like, don't like, why did you follow me? Like, like, wait a second, you know? And like, what yeah, are you he telling treats me? Her like why a kid. Did, yeah. Yeah. Understandably. Him, yeah. Yeah. She is a child. She's, you know, 12 years old, even though she's yeah. not, <laughs> you know, your parents and grandparents always treat you like a child, even when you're a grown up. Mm hmm. He and in, in, in writing the second book, I have a lot of a lot of good Gramps moments. Oh, cool! Yeah, so, I I'm excited. To, I'm, I would be looking forward to more of those interactions and yeah, you know, just yeah, just like the uh, the old dog and the new pup, and <laughs> just kind of just like showing them the ropes. And I I can I can see how you uh, were challenged in yeah, because she is like yeah, she I imagine I would have been. I wish I could have been more like her when I was like 24. And so that's like, I totally get what you're saying. But at the same time, it's like, she's, you know, she'll, she'll get humbled, you know, at certain points where it's still like, she's like, Oh shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those, that's the biggest challenge. I'm like, nah, this is, this is too, you know, she, she doesn't have superpowers. <laughs> like, no, like rain it in Kim. Uh, <laughs> and then any of like the most um, enjoyable parts uh, to write? I love writing banter. I think most authors do. I mean, who doesn't like writing banter? And yeah. I always think <laughs> I, my family makes fun of me because I think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are like, you're not funny. I'm like, yes, I am. I'm very funny. <laughs> um, so I always think I'm funny. So when I write something funny, I laugh. I make myself laugh. And then I need somebody to read it to verify that it is in fact funny. Yeah. Um, and then when they like, like there are lines I wrote and I thought my editor would be like, great one. Ha ha ha. And she didn't <laughs> respond. I was like, this was just like, what? But she's British. So it could be. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I That's mean, tricky. she's funny, but you know, British, the British have very dry wits, which I love. <laughs> So maybe it was just, I was just. It's totally different humor. It is very sure. different. And yeah. and British humor, like when you, it, it like whooshes right past you and you're like, oh, wait, that was funny. Like it takes yeah. you a second. <laughs> oh, that, that was very clever. But um, yeah, I do think I'm funny. So when I write something or I'll have a line in my head, you know, that I will insert into the book. I'm like, oh, where am I going to put this funny line? 
Um, those are the fun <laughs> parts when I write jokes. Yeah, I should do stand up. No. Um, <laughs> and I'll give those like, I, I mean, there's a scene. There, there's a scene at the end. I won't, I wouldn't ruin it where, you know, Billy has a quippy exchange with a skinhead that I thought was hysterical. I mean, mm. it's not, I'm, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. Because, well, cause it is like, you're like, okay, this is like young Jewish woman going toe to toe with a skinhead. Like it's, yeah, it's almost like, oh yes, you go girl. <laughs> yeah. And I keep <laughs> having my right. characters are like, why are Nazis still a thing? Like this keeps yeah. happening. Why are Nazis still a thing? Cause I'm like, why are they still a thing? I got to explore a lot of themes that I want to explore, like things that are happening, like the zeitgeist, you know, like anti-Semitism is on the rise. Great. Um, you mm. know, and just kind of explore a lot of modern issues, but in the way, you know, that we think of sometimes on the daily, like morbid humor, <laughs> like yeah. dark humor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever you got to do to kind of just, you know, take one day at a time and try to find the silver lining in any, you know, it's it is almost like a guilty pleasure, just the morbid humor of it. Oh yeah. I have you to know? have it. I like yeah. I like to I like when I'm reading and then all of a sudden a line makes me laugh. I was just reading um oh this great uh a private investigator novel, James Keeley, um, line of sight. And you know, I was just this one line he wrote where he was like he basically it was like uh he just said, um, first George Carlin would never blush. And I don't know why, but I found that line hysterical. And I was like, that was, I wish I thought of that. That was so genius. <laughs> it was like a really serious book. And then he had, he has this quip in there. And I was like, God, that's so great. It like comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. If I come up with some good lines, I'm like, oh, let me write that down. I'll put it in book. Yeah. Two. Yeah. You got to keep track of it. Find ways to like slip them in there. No, I think, and, and you know, and you have a delicate balance of that. We're like, yeah, all of it, a lot of it is serious, but it's, it's her, her attitude and her outlook where she, you know, she's, she's still fun to follow. She's fun to like, see how, where she goes with it. <laughs> like, I'm glad, like, I'm glad you think so. Yeah, <laughs> for lack of better words, anyway, just to like just her as a character, I just really enjoyed her, and I I was totally like, I say this in interviews with suspense and thrillers, like sometimes, um, you know, I don't, I'm not the type of reader who catches on like immediately. I'm not like, oh, I know who did it. It's totally this person, or it's totally that person, or, or you know, I. It's, but I like being. It makes me enjoy the story a little bit more because I'm like still being tugged along, and so yeah, I had like no idea. I was like, Billy, yeah, figure this out. Like, let's go. Like, I'm like, I'm like antsy. Like, it's like, wait, oh, she, who's this person now? <laughs> like, wait a second, how do these two dots connect? And, um, it was yeah, it was just done really well. But I, I just, you know. She she was she was great. I, I I like she had a great personality and um, you know yeah like she's just resourceful and she had the right like just the right attitude to to do her best with what she had and you know, you know that, I wish she was real. Yeah, <laughs> she's hang. out she's out there somewhere. I'm assuming yeah, there's a Billy out there somewhere. Um, just a couple more questions before we wrap up here. So what do you hope readers get out of Billy's story? I hope they have a good time. I guess like I, you know, I think there'll be a lot of takeaways on, I, I don't know. That's a really good question. And not <laughs> one I've actually given thought to like when I, when I read a book, 
you know, that, that has me, that I think about after I'm done reading it. Those are my favorite. I'm like, oh, I'm still thinking about that book. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's not a, it's like a dark book. And I'm like, oh, yeah. look how they handled that. My, I mean, what I want readers to take away is I'm buying book two when it comes out. I'm pre-ordering book two. Um, <laughs> really, I would like for them to kind of get us, like the book really is about family, um, Billy's family and keeping family together, I think. And, and it's hard to be a human being on this planet. You know, I say that frequently. It's really hard to be a human being. And I, I find sometimes I'll catch myself beating myself up about something stupid you know, or cringing at something I might have said like five years ago. Like we right. all get outside our own heads, right? Yeah. And then I'll I'll be like, but it's really hard to be a person. I think you know, um, every day we're learning how to be better human beings. So maybe uh, people's biggest takeaway could be like, this is how we become better people. You know, um, how we treat people better. You know, how we get through tough times. I hope people read and go. You know, we can definitely find the humor in everything. And I think that can mm. be a lot of pain and stress too. Because mm-hmm. that's what I have to do. But yeah, I hope maybe people will be like, you know what? And if anything, they'll have fun while they, you know, for however long it takes to read a book, five hours, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I think it's, oh, there's an audio book. There'll be an audio book for, so for anybody who's like a, an audio book person. I'm excited. Oh, nice. That's my first audiobook. I've never had an audiobook before. Oh wow, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats I also on got that. to yeah. thank you. I also got to select the narrator. I was okay. like, all right, I need a Jersey accent. And um uh so I hope I hope people like it. Hope- yeah, absolutely. And I know and I and I did. I it was so fun. Cause I do, like I said, like I read uh some like a bunch of murder mysteries, actually. I think more than a lot of other genres I tend to read. But yeah, it's like it's not just the who done it, but it's like how do you get there and how many layers are involved. And I've never encountered um a Jewish PI in her mid twenties. Like I was so that was definitely uh um, a breath of fresh air just to see that like this different type of person from this different type of background um, doing, doing this type of work and like, how is she going to pull it off? She, you know, she figures it out somehow, like some way. And it's like, it, just to be along for the ride was super fun. And also being like, like I said, like, hey, girl, come on, like, let's go, like, like, like get down to it. Cause I'm like, it, but it was just me, like, you know, just getting sucked in and getting just really engaged in the story. And just, you know, it's like I'm rushing cause I wanna finish it. But then once I'm finished it, I'm like, oh shit, like, now I'm done. <laughs> Such is the life of a bookworm, I guess. Um, I know. So if everyone buys it, I get book two out. Uh, there, there'll be a book too. <laughs> <laughs> there but the more be. that people buy it, the more uh, my publisher will let me write more. And I have so many, like so many creative ideas on where to take her and fun things to do. And I'm excited about, you know, this made up person's life that I am. <laughs> so you know. what advice, what, <laughs> what advice would you give to Billy to Gramps? to david and to sherry like like life advice sure there's whatever advice would you give and probably i'm assuming would be like towards the end of the book because if you gave them advice at the beginning of the book there wouldn't be much of a story so (laughs) i think i think i'd go back to what i said earlier which is just like it's hard to be a person it's hard it's hard 
and do what you need to do to make the best of it, you know? And um, one of the things that Billy does, and I do as well, is we live too much in the future, worrying about the future and how things are going to turn out. It really kind of just, it can be incredibly soul-crushing and demoralizing. It's just a lot easier to handle everything with humor, as I think they do, the Levines do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to take the good and the bad together and just kind of deal with things once at a time. You know, like I am a very responsible person. You know, I, I'm always going to plan ahead, but I shouldn't always be worrying ahead. Like, you know what I mean? So plan for the worst, hope for the best. That would be my advice to them. And yeah. not be too perfect because I need more conflict in later novels. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I... I like that. And it's, yeah, of course it is. It's just kind of like, yeah. Cause you look in the past and you, you like cringe at something from the past, but then it's, yeah, it's like try to learn how to just do your best in the moment and in the present. And sometimes that planning for the future helps you worry less. I don't know. I'm, I'm, a am really organized. And if I wasn't, I would be freaking out like all the time. <laughs> yeah. Things would just well, maybe- catch up and yeah. Billy's got to maybe relax on the things she really has no control over. So, you know, she's making herself nuts for a future. She really doesn't, you know, like she's 24. Like let's hope there's, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what I I haven't decided, you know, what her, her future really is. Yeah. That's um, well, that's the fun part of it of where you, you figure it out. It'll come, you know, it'll come. Yeah. It's it's incredible (laughs) to me. I say this all the time, like authors, you know, there's so many books that come out. Like sometimes I think authors feel like a dime a dozen, right? Mm. Because you look on the shelf and there are 8,000 books, but we've done something really special that not a lot of people do, even though it feels like a lot of people do it. Not a lot of people do it. And we make people up and we make worlds mm. up that feel incredibly real. They, yeah. Like they exist somewhere. And we've all just conjured these people up fully fleshed. I mean, obviously, it's a lot harder than that. Rewrites and, you know, revisions and editing and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, she's a very real person to me. And, you know, I I know what she would order for dinner. Like, you know, so (laughs) I I, I remind myself of that often lately because it's publishing is art, but it's also business and it's tough. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I you're not alone in that in that. Um. I don't want to say struggle, but, you know, that balance, all of that good stuff. But that's, you know, it's it's worth it in the end, I'm guessing, right? Like, you wouldn't do it if it wasn't worth it. It wouldn't be easy, you know. It is, um, you know, aside from my children, who I love and I'm proud of and stuff, it's my greatest accomplishment is yeah. writing. Because yeah. even nobody knows who I am. If nobody reads my books, I have I've created something that I'm proud of. And like, if it's all I, you know, if that's, if that's my biggest mark on the world, it is a mark to to make art and leave it for future generations is an incredible mark on the world. Yeah. That is awesome. That's a good way to think of it. Cause it's like, yeah, generations from now, your, your work is still available ideally. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I have my physical books in my house. Like hopefully my, if I've, you know, descendants, they'll be like, oh, what a great, great grandma or great yeah, right. or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, or exactly. somebody just stumbles upon it and was like, you know, oh, I like how this woman writes. Right. <laughs> I like, this, yeah, I like her stories. I still read Jane Austen. 
<laughs> exactly exactly it's yeah that's something to remember it's just like well you know what we're still reading still reading so and so the beauty about art and there's something for everyone and you know to get too cliche it's just like that's there's so many stories to tell and so many ways to tell them and that's i think that's just the beauty of making sure that those stories are are reachable and and findable and you know getting getting their the word out there oh the cover is so awesome how did you have like a say like how did that process go yes the best thing about working with small presses um, is that they include you on stuff. Like, what do you want the cover to look like? Uh, the cover had a lot of iterations before it got to that point. And, and they worked with me so much. I was so grateful. But basically, it just it just had a... There were covers that look nothing like what we have now. You would be like, you wouldn't recognize it. You'd be like, it's like a different book. So... I, I don't know, like, it just got to the point where we're like, well, we need something eye-catching, but that we could maybe brand for, like, the series and stuff like that. And I was like, well, what about feathers? <laughs> <laughs> and there were two. One was black with pink feathers, and one was pink with pink feathers, but there was a contrast. And I was like, I love the black one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my publisher was like, well, we can make it neon pink, and we can make the foil title. And I was like, do it. Like, we can do that. (laughs) And so that is kind of how it came out. Yeah. If I showed you covers, you'd be like, this is not, you know, it just, it just, we're like, it's great, but it's not right. It just kept like, that's great, but it's not right. You know, can we do this? And, and I'm very like, you know, as a librarian covers. (laughs) Yes. Like, so I'm, I'm hoping that because the book is so pretty and shiny that it will beam buy me vibes from a table in a bookstore or you know take check me out from the library because it is it is really shiny and pretty (laughs) take it out in the sunlight yeah then the pink feathery cover was like so i definitely think it's gonna stand out for sure i hope people buy it for their valentines yeah you're like (laughs) what a great gift for your valentines a pretty pink and black book you know for your reader and i'd like to think you know, it's a great book for all genders. I, I I don't think, I think it's like for all your mystery lovers, you know, regardless yeah. of gender. I don't think it skews one way or the other. So, And then you, and you are pretty inclusive, you know, with the, not just with the nature of the crimes, but also just with secondary characters. You do a good job of just kind of like, just like normalizing it, you know. Good. Just, I'm glad. Yeah. We live in a, New Jersey is super duper diverse. You know, there's diversity in friends and sexual orientation and religion and ethnicities. And yeah, it's hella diverse. And like, yeah. work should reflect that because, you know, and, and, but I'm glad. I'm glad. And I, I really thank you for all the nice things you said. I never ever get to sit and just talk about my book in such a nice way. You know, you sit with your editor and you're like, can you route, can you flesh out this scene more? And maybe like, let's do this. And you're like, okay. It's nice to just talk about it so organically because like, it's almost like, it's almost like I stepped out of my body. Like, it's not my book. Like, we're just talking right? about it. Oh, yeah, I wrote it. No, and I, I enjoy speaking with authors about it too. Cause you kind of get like, yeah, you get that extra you know, brain picking, you kind of get that extra little, you know, the commentary, so to speak, and, and just like really, you know, just digging, digging in a little bit deeper and just, you know, and whatever, just seeing whatever authors 
where where you guys go with it like during the conversation that's why like yeah this is just like casual it's like i want to i want to see where where it goes like this was so fun yeah thank you so much so we got um kimberly g oh god jared my married name my maiden name was a lot more phonetic. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, I was like, is that Italian? It looks Italian. I married right. an Italian man yeah. <laughs> from Staten Island. So. so that's almost too stereotypical, right? Like- <laughs> yeah. Well, well, growing up, I grew up in an area of Jews and Italians, and we were indistinguishable from each other. Except for, aside from last name, you couldn't tell us apart. We looked the same. Mm-hmm. We talked the same. Like, yeah. aside from somebody mentioning Christmas and Hanukkah, it really, like... And I always tell my husband, like, when his hair is short and he's wearing his glasses, I'm like, you could pass for Jewish easily. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Um, Okay, so Death of a Dancing Queen is coming out on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Do you want to list your, like, plug your uh, website and social media real quick? Yeah, sure. It's KimberlyGGeratano.com. So G-I-A-R-R-A-T-A-N-O. Um, yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at KGGeratano, Instagram, Kim Garnick Geratano. And, um, but you can find all that on my website. If you Google mm-hmm. me or Google Death of a Dancing Queen, I'm the only one who comes up for this. <laughs> so I've been stalking my book religiously on Google. So trust me when I say that. <laughs> if my book was a person, it would need a restraining order again. Right. <laughs> like yeah the, the, your algorithm is very like specific right now <laughs> because i don't That's trust awesome. google alerts they don't tell me i'm like there was a new there was a new thing on here and i didn't get a google alert so i just spend the day googling it see if i can oh, pop man, up gotta do, gotta do your own work here That's like- <laughs> i know um, i had an author friend she's like wait you read your reviews i was like yeah I know I'm not supposed to, but I do. I just want to make sure people are reading it. That's all. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'd, I've heard from authors saying the same thing. Like, no, I just, I do not. Like, as a rule, they do not. Because otherwise they would, yeah. They would. I. You I gotta, do. yeah. It's like you have to be prepared or it just would get in your head too much. I'm sure they are 100% correct. And I will get to that point, but I'm not at that point yet. Because I just, I feel like if people are reviewing it, it means they're reading it. So then I'm yeah. like. All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Bright side of everything. <laughs> um, Kimberly, thank you so much. And yes, uh, Death of a Dancing Queen, go pick it up. Very entertaining, very engaging, very fun. Um, and you know what? I, I'll cross my fingers that the, the sequel will be, you know, sequel and more and beyond will be available in the coming years. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Thank you for reading it and for your such insightful questions. And this like made my day. And there you go. That was Kimberly G. Giratano talking about Death of a Dancing Queen. That book is coming out on Valentine's Day on February 14th. Um, you can check out the show notes for links to her social media and website and where to purchase the book. As always, rate, review, subscribe. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram, The Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. Go ahead and check out my book reviews and um, keep on checking out these author interviews. As always, thank you so much for listening.